You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest and fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Today came on a good day as we have the Treb stats and we can talk to you guys about what changes we've noticed happen through the month of February and what does that mean going forward, give you a bit of predictions on my end as well, but we really want to dive into this view that Toronto home buyers are pulling back from our overheated market. There's a war breaking out right now on the other side of the world over in Ukraine, but we've been dealing with a war ourselves in affordability in the housing market here in the GTA for many, many years. At least over there, they kind of fight for what's good. Over here, we just roll over, right? Even Justin Timberlake announced that he's going to be joining the war in Ukraine. Early reports suggest that he'll be stationed somewhere along the Crimea River. (laughs) Oh, military puns are funny. Generally speaking, (laughs) we like to have some fun on the show. As a broker investor myself, I try and keep up with what's going on in the market and bring that info to friends just like you. If you haven't already, please support the show. You can do that by hitting the like button, commenting, depending on the platform, obviously. But um, maybe just share this on Instagram. You can tag us at Watson Estates. I truly appreciate the love and support that we have from you guys. We are an amazing community of listeners, of investors in and across the GTA with one thing in mind, and that is trying to decipher all of the chaos, all the craziness happening in our marketplace and get some sense out of it. So we're going to start our show today talking about the stats from February. Here we go. We're going to start with a star article. And it's the article is called Toronto Home Prices Hit Record. Average selling price of detached home pushes the $2 million mark. That is very much the angle of the article. It goes on to talk about how the city of Toronto has hit that $2 million mark, even as barely perceptible signs of a cooling wafted across the region's sweltering housing market in February. Somebody used their thesaurus very closely on that first paragraph, but we've got all of these signs, especially in the last two weeks of February, of a shift, a cooling that's potentially happening in our market. Meanwhile, we reach these brand new records. It seems like every month as we're reporting on the stats that there's these headlines, right? $2 million. You know, we crossed the million dollar mark. We have surpassed the Vancouver real estate market prices. Every month has these headlines and it gets a little tiring. And this is coming from a guy who reports on the headlines for you guys, but there was a 16.8% drop in sales year over year across the GTA. A drop in sales. As we rounded into 2022, we mentioned you're going to see the numbers not be able to stack up against last year as it relates to sales, of course, and that's exactly what that is. So no surprises there, but the average selling price is a surprise for many people. For all houses and condos in the region, it was $1.33 million, a whopping 28% above last February. That is maybe not such a surprise given that last month, January, was also busy. But listen to this. Coming on the heels of the Toronto Real Estate Board saying, this is it, you know, look, and not saying it directly like that, but looking at the average sale price, what they're expecting for this year being lower than the numbers we saw in January, which we disagreed with, that would tell us that, you know, the calm would happen. It must be that February is not 
overly strong. Now, obviously, I'm I'm jumping to conclusions there. Maybe they're expecting that we're going to see a massive dip, but the dip would have to look like this because month over month from January until February, we saw $90,000 increase. That is absurd for a monthly growth on top of the annual growth, right? So these are numbers, whether we look at it on an annual basis or a monthly basis, we see the climb that's happening. We're going to get into a little bit of discussion as well on seasonality because I think that's playing into it. But the 2.03 million for a detached house in the city was a 23% jump over the same month last year. In the 905 surrounding the the Toronto region, detached homes sold with 33% higher, averaging 1.73 million. Even condos, which had slumped in the first year of the pandemic, registered double-digit increases last month. In the 905, condos sold for over 750 grand, a 34% increase year over year. Unbelievable. They actually outperformed, if you look at it, on the detached side. Units in the city of Toronto climbed a like pathetic 21.5%. We're talking about condos here. But of course, as we anticipated, we're going to see a lot more shift. And we're going to actually talk about specific segments in the condo space and where that's happening. But we see a shifting, a driving into the condo space that will continue through 2022, even and when we see these detached homes slow down, cool, for lack of a better word. But behind the soaring cost of home ownership... Real estate agents have been reporting a recent shift in the housing market, suggesting that consumers wary of bidding wars and bully offers are pausing their home search. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've said, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm over it. We're going to talk about this today. What exactly is going on? But coming from the lips of Jason Mercer, the beautiful lips of the uh, <laughs> beautiful lips of our friend Jason Mercer, the chief analyst of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Here's what his expectation was for 2022. Look for a more modest pace of price growth in the second half of 2022 as higher borrowing costs result in some households putting their home purchases on hold temporarily. Temporarily. That's a big last word to add in there. But of course, we would be totally ignorant to ignore. (laughs) Bad choice of linking words. But we would be very, we would just not be doing our job to tell you that interest rates just rose. If you didn't get the memo, we had a increase, a change in the direction of interest rates here in this great nation. On Wednesday, the Bank of Canada announced the first increase in its key lending rate since 2018. There was a quarter percent increase that will hit variable rate mortgages this week. It's likely the first of several hikes. Banks are forecasting the overnight rate is at 1.75 by the second half of the next year. Will that happen? Are we going to see that much? I think, if anything, there might be some overestimates, but who knows? We see the dynamics. We see inflation numbers roaring across the world, and it leads us to wonder from an economic standpoint is can we afford to maintain these low rates? We just saw Russia bump up their interest rate up to 20%, and not to say we're going to do the same thing, But some people might think that that could happen here in Canada. That vote is up to you. Do it with your investment dollars. But today we're going to talk about which market is outperforming the rest of the GTA and whether the rate hike announcement will take out the legs of real estate investors. Do you think we will be defeated? (laughs) Take out the leg. Leave it in the comments down below. Just giving you a shout out to the Rent Live Rent sent us uh, monthly updates and and just to report on what happened over the last month. The average price of unfurnished one bedroom units in downtown Toronto has risen by 4.87%. We see this massive increase. What's the opposite of an exodus? An exodus? (laughs) We see an (laughs) exodus into Toronto. 
uh, looking as over the last month. Whereas the GTA average price, we see the opposite, a slight decline, but a decline nonetheless, down to 1772 across the region. The Brampton area remains the cheapest city to rent in and across the GTA, an average of just 1500 bucks a month for an unfurnished one-bedroom unit. Not too bad, not too shabby. Still close enough to, well, we're going to not get into those details on, on transit and all that works, but moving on. We see re weekly rental inventory in the GTA has been gradually declining since December. It's gradual. It's very gradual, but we do see that trend forming as we look over the last several months. In fact, it actually is beyond that, but there was a bit of a bump that happened. So we're going to say as of December, we've seen this tendency for inventory to decline. Eventually, we'll leave renters, you know, swimming with the fishes. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, Toronto. Or like, you know, swimming with the octopuses. Octopus eye? Oct octopi. <laughs> the question is, are you well-armed? <laughs> oh, leave it in the comments down below. Anyways, what we got? Let's dive into specifics about what we saw in February. Now, here's where we're getting to the nitty-gritty. There's a the high level, but let's go low level. The GTA house prices have tripled. 3x in the last 10 years. It's a beautiful thing that our market can double every 10 years, but guess what? That's an understatement. We're looking at three times. The composite price changes by region have also been announced. And when we dive in, this is looking at the MLS home price index for composite for all housing types. I'm going to go down the list of the different regions across GTA, find the ones that apply to you and your portfolio. The Halton region is up 35.88%. Not too shabby. Peel region up 40.7%. Very good. City of Toronto, pathetic, 27.38%. Still unbelievable returns, but you know, our numbers, we're just greedy these days. York region, just floating under 40%. Durham region takes the cake, number one, numero uno, 47.35%. Durham is the talk of the town right now. It's on a hot streak. And before you count them out, looking forward, recognize they are still the lowest price area region in the GTA. To close us off here, we also have Orangeville included in this list, 41.46% and South Simcoe County at 36%. Unbelievable, unbelievable numbers across the board, but we go specific to Toronto. Looking at Scott Ingram had a post here, the HPI composite for the city of Toronto passed a million buckaroonies for the first time last March. 11 months later, Looking at now, we have crossed 1.3 million. So in a matter of 11 months, we've seen a jump across the city from one to 1.3 million dollars in the HPI composite. Unbelievable. Last month, Treb hinted at the fact that we had hit the price growth max for the year. And that very much came, as mentioned earlier in the show, from their indication that the price that they expected, the target was actually lower than the numbers that we saw, whereas we didn't see that. And, and so a big component, I think, of today of looking at where we stand is looking at that month over month. It really matters. The ones who publish the best info on that stat is Remax. Remax is going to share, and they have shared with us, the month over month stats. So when we look across the GTA, just in one month, we see our price increase Across the board, 7.4%. Sales, we see an increase month over month of 61.5%. Active listings, we see a surge of active listings at 70.5%. So we have a net of, for whoever's counting, of net more listings than the number of sales. So we have more listings coming online in the last month. We've, in my book, 
officially entered the spring market. That's what that is. Ooh, see how that works? <laughs> but my expectation for the next couple months was that there would still be, even like looking at last month, would there still be some runway? And the reason, the big reasons were two things. One was the extremely low months of inventory. The other was massive demand, right? We saw massive demand. We still maybe do. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that turned out to be true. But guess what? If that was the uh, the reason for the increase that we saw this month expected from myself as I'm looking at things last month, months of inventory still very low. Months of inventory, there was only an increase, only an increase, an increase, but very modest of 5.6%. We still sit at 0.77 months of inventory across the GTA. That's an unbelievably low. And it's really tragic when we look at what could have been the month before, when we were looking at what was taking off at the beginning, the end of January, beginning of February was a, what seemed like a surge of months of inventory. We had these numbers bounce, let's say as an example, freehold from 0.75 months all the way up to 1.69. 1.69 is still very tight, but that's a significant jump over the span of a month. But now we're back down below one. So we saw this giant jump and giant drop, Very not that's far more aggressive than we saw in the condo, but even condos, we saw it drop from as high as 1.23 in the recent past, all the way down to 0.82. Condos remain now, now, the more tight months of inventory. Condos seem to be tighter for the first time. Actually, this kind of began at the beginning of the year, and I expect that that will probably continue over the rest of the year. But many are suggesting today that the market is now shifting. This is all ultimately up to you, but in the war against inflationary prices, we either target the supply or we target the demand. As long as it's a successful shot, who cares at this point, right? Dad, were you shot in the army? <laughs> no, son. I was shot in the leggy. <laughs> uh, wasn't a kill shot. He's still there to tell the story. So we're going to look at the two sides, the buying and the selling and what exactly is being targeted and what is happening as we look at the stats from February. We're going to start off talking with buyers, the buyer demand coming from the Globe and Mail article called as named in this podcast, Toronto home buyers pull back from overheated market. We're going to start off. I grabbed this segment later in the, in the article to start us off. I thought this was a good way to get going here. I, sometimes I, I take these articles and I butcher them. You guys know that, right? I make them my own. <laughs> but economist Kyle Doms and Alexandra Descharm of National Bank of Canada say housing affordability across the country declined for a fourth consecutive quarter in the final three-month period of 2021. We see this tightness that's happening, affordability strangling home buyers. But here we go. I added the but. <laughs> Sometimes you need a little but. Here's where the article begins. In the Toronto area market for single family homes, some house hunters have backed away from the heat. Okay. Quote, when the sellers are humbled a little bit, it restores balance. This is coming from Christopher Bibby, Mr. Bibby, broker of Remax Hallmark Bibby Group Realty. Here's what they say. Agents say that many houses still sell in spirited competition at rich prices, but that outcome is no longer a given. Okay. A considerable amount of buyer fatigue seems to be setting in. The argument here, we'll continue, there's more. The argument here is that buyers are pulling back because of fatigue. But is there maybe more to the story? Fatigue, in my mind, sounds like a cop-out. Because for one tired person to sit out for a month or two, 
there is other title people that are on board and coming back in. It seems like a cop-out, but according to Mr. Bibby, some agents are starting to shift their strategy away from the bidding war. I'm looking for $500,000 over asking. Woohoo! Right? And instead, they're pricing homes in line with their true values again. Now, I do... I guess as I'm, and to kind of give support to all of these things, I am also seeing, there's nothing in here today that I am not also seeing as a licensed realtor in the GTA. I am seeing these things play out as well. If I didn't, I would be criticizing them. So I put my rubber stamp of approval behind a lot of these shifts that we're going to talk about along the show today. But Mr. Bibby says, many in the industry are growing concerned that the most eye-watering deals will fall through if the bank asks for an appraisal and the result come in below the sale price. You think you're buying that house, but you're only buying 20%, my friend. The bank is buying that house and they don't want a bad deal. And when deals could potentially go sour because people are way overpricing what the home is worth and when there's an indication that things are slowing down with interest rate shifting, they're going to do a double look and you could end up on the hook. There could be problems. We saw that happen in 2017. It wasn't that long ago. More catastrophically, decades ago, we saw these things really take hold. So that's looking on the demand side. We have this fatigue. We have all of these buyers that are just like kind of over it and they're, you know, they're not willing to accept the multiple offer anymore. But we also have this other side of listings on the supply side that new listings are rising. As we talked about, an increased supply of listing also releases some steam from the market. Buyers will be relieved to see more listings coming on but many remain wary of the market's heights. A lot of people, just the price tag alone has freaked them out. Seems like something that's been the case for years and years, but that is still the case and still an ongoing argument. It's just so expensive, $2 million, come on. Mr. Bibby has been watching the downtown condo segment closely as he prepares to list some fresh properties. He even got more coming on himself. He says 110 new listings pop up on the first day after the holiday compared to 30 to 40 new listings a day in recent weeks. You know what that's called? It's called the spring market. (laughs) I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but... um, that's what happens. That is actually what happens before we get our panties in a bunch. Mr. Bibby hopes that the spike in supply will help to satiate some of the demand. Me too. Me too. I'm on that. I'm on that team, but not every unit is created equal. I talked about how we're going to get into some division here at the moment, looking specifically at condos, junior one bedroom and one bedroom units are selling quickly to investors. We see those still flying off the shelf. Quote, you're seeing a lot of people bidding very aggressively on smaller suites. Investors, they love it. Investors are making up a big chunk of those buyers these days. But at the higher end, several of the sellers have been offer nights come and go with no bids. The following day, the unit is relisted at a higher price, at more legitimately of a price. So very nice to see that people are maybe naturally getting away from the bidding war. And I hope that this trend continues. But as mentioned, we saw months of inventory go up and down, depending on if this article was written at the beginning of February, at the end of February, makes a whole lot of difference. Where are you getting your stats? Because there are some serious bounces that are happening on what's available in the market and could be seasonal, could be a long-term trend. I think in some cases it's too early to tell, but who cares what I think? Because we're not at the end of the show yet. Let's look at better dwelling. The arch nemesis of the real estate industry, the one who is always hoping for the crash, says, and they actually, what they do, they're aiming very much for comparing the contrast between new home sales and new inventory. Here they go. Treb, they say, reported over 14,000 new listings in February, which is up 77% from the previous month. 
again, normal for spring market. And what we saw, by the way, for last year, compared to last year, that number is only 6.6% lower. So we saw this exact same thing play out very similar last year. But here's what they say. From a monthly perspective, new listings grew faster than sales, relieving pressure, which is a good thing for buyers. Not such a good thing if you want your price inflation to continue. On an annual basis, new listings fell slower than sales, once again, meaning less pressure on prices to move higher. <clears throat> but where they go from here, and what I think is the most valuable and valid point is the sales to new listings ratio. Something that if there is an indicator that you, as someone who wants the market to cool down, should be paying attention to, it is the Sennelar, you really can't, it's the SNLR. There's no way to shorten that without vowels. <laughs> the Sindler, the Great Greater Toronto Sindler, is showing market conditions are moving towards balance very fast. Listen to these numbers. The ratio fell, fell, by the way, <clears throat> meaning getting more favorable for buyers. If we were going to, the way that these summarize these is they go up to 40. So they say between 40% to 60% is balanced, right? Balanced. It's the number of sales relative to how many come on the market. <clears throat> General, like, that's kind of the idea. Anything over 60% is considered a seller's market. Well, sorry to burst any bubbles. We're definitely still over 60%. We said at 64% in February, but here's the trend. It's down from the month before in January, over 70% and 72% last year. In December, the numbers when it was going absolute bonkers was a mind-numbing 116%, which means there were more homes sold than were listed on the market. They were pretty much just cleaning up the inventory. This was, was happening back in December. And it's a lot of the reason why we have the pressures in place today. But the point here is that there is not as a percentage as many sales happening to new listings. And, and, and that is a good thing. That's a good thing in, in meaning we're approaching more of a balanced market. A balanced market is a healthy market. It's a good thing. But here's a fun fact. Why not? Annual growth in dollar terms was greater than double the median household income for the region. So if you held real estate, you made twice as good as somebody who just worked. <laughs> but here's what's funny. If that rapid price growth was a household's annual income, so let's say that double number was your income, they would barely qualify for a mortgage needed for the home, for the average home. Funny to think that like you can literally be double. For, there's so many things built into that, right? Like the value of holding real estate lately, as well as just the unaffordability that exists in our market. It's absolute bonkers. But we clearly have a market imbalance. So who's working to fix it? We're going to look at different stakeholders and see Who's got their finger on the pulse? Who's actually doing something about it? Is it maybe the private sector? Is the private sector helping? Well, according to the city of Mississauga, no. There's an article came out from the Star. Developers limit production to keep home prices high. Mississauga report says a claim the Builders Association calls absurd. Listen to this. Mississauga's top planner is casting doubt on the effectiveness of recommendations from Ontario's Housing Affordability Task Force. They decided to take their municipal complaint to the province and said, what you're proposing won't work. You think making it easier for builders is actually going to support us? Well, guess what? They say that easing building per permissions won't result in enough new supply to push down costs since developers could phase in construction. So the argument is, is you can speed all process up all you want. The developers are just going to speed it down. So therefore we should just what, leave it? Is that the alternative? So let me get this straight. We're worried... <laughs> Brad Rant, we're worried that making it easier for builders to build will slow down the speed of building. <laughs> like, it just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't understand, like, are you saying stop then? 
So when they look at the uh, bill, the Building Industry and Land Development Association spokesperson Justin Sherwood called it, quote, absolutely absurd, given the level of demand for housing across the GTA markets. In other words, why would they ever do that? It's just so valuable. Put it out there. It's so much money. Builders, you know, they make money building, not not building. But I find it ironic that what? I, I don't understand what the complaint is here. Like, are we going to mandate that they have to build? Like, what do you expect to do about it? I, I would argue that builders are, they're the frontline workers. They're the frontline military staff in this war in addressing low supply. We need to partner with them, not view them as an infection. Jeez. <laughs> Then again, warfare and UTIs do have one thing in common. Fire in the hole! <laughs> uh, so it's the federal government doing it. So private, we can't trust the private sector. What about the federal government? Are they trying to fix the issue? You guys remember the election that we had? All this talk about shutting down the borders to people that don't live here. Making sure housing is a right. Without saying that, we're going to protect housing for our locals. Well, according to Blacklock's reporter, liberal MPs on the finance committee rejected their own proposed foreign offshore ban in a 6-5 to five vote. This was a platform that was agreed to by both conservatives and liberals. And even the NDP wanted to make it harder on foreign investment dollars. Well, the election is decided. And the time is now for us to scrap it. <laughs> the work here is finished. Man, I, I don't think the two-year ban... I mean, it's something. It would have been nice to see something. But I don't think the two-year ban was going to have any significant impact, long-term, any real impact. But it was an election platform. I mean, it's just proof that the government is more worried about perception than actually curbing prices. This isn't even big news. This is just like someone reporting it behind the scenes like... Just so you know, it's not happening, even though we you voted for it to happen. I find that crazy. I guess they weren't feeling it, you know. They called it quits. They said the same thing the American military did uh, when they left Afghanistan. Biden! <laughs> uh, shouldn't laugh at these military jokes, but I'm trying to bring some humor to, to our global crisis today. I hope you guys enjoy it and appreciate it as much as I do. But now, for the million-dollar question, is the housing market starting to cool then? My answer is yes, yes, but, yes, but, much slower than I think many expected and many still expect to be the case. This is my thoughts. You can have your own. But we look at a stories.com article. Is the Toronto housing market really starting to cool? Here's what they say. Quote, right now we're in a weird transition because the buyers don't know showings are low yet. They think it's still super hot and that's why they're still seeing the prices rise. They don't see our agent cards. They don't know we don't have those hundred showings, but we know the realtors know those realtors They have this like giant, there's this giant uh, conspiracy between the realtors to hide that information from you. And that's why you have a buyer agent, by the way, to protect you and to inform you of stuff like this. Is the market cooling in a lot of segments? Yes. Yes, it is. Is there a delay in that information? Real estate is slow. It's a slower turning asset. So knowledge doesn't happen evenly. It's why our listeners succeed, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm being just being honest, sorry. <laughs> but there was also a poll asking uh, listeners, this was done by John Pasalis on Twitter. Why do you think, um, what do you think is driving the house prices? The question is, what do you think driving house prices since the tw 2016? The, the largest answers the, by far was number one, interest rates. 
which was a 42.5%. Number two was Trudeau liberal policies. So between policies at the government level and interest rates at the Bank of Canada, that makes up over 70% of the vote, almost 75% of the votes. Those are the reasons that they say, well, the rising rates should mean the problem is behind us because rates are now starting to rise. Well, not quite. CP24 reports, housing experts say prospective homebuyers hoping Wednesday's interest rate hike will cool the country's heated real estate market will likely be disappointed. They believe pent-up demand for homes is so high, maybe it's this imbalance we just talked about, and supply still so scarce that the Bank of Canada's decision to hike the rate to 0.5% won't take much of an edge off the real estate market. That's what the article concludes. That decision is up to you guys. You be your own economist. It's not my job. I'm just sharing the information. But I I can see that we knew an interest rate hike was coming. There's no new information that has happened. In fact, we have speculations on what's going to be for the next year or two. And though we see a transition of more listings, which is common in the spring, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that the demand has been fulfilled. So are we in a scenario where things will cool? Well, naturally, as we see listings begin to rise up again, yes, that is a cooling that is happening, but it's by no means rapid. Not at all. Here are my thoughts. Interest rates are rising slower than they should be. That's actually my thought. And I think that will continue to be the case. I do think interest rates should rise faster, but I don't think they will, at least as it relates to curbing inflation, right? As and that, that's kind of how I look at it is look at the amount of inflation we have. And I think the, the, it takes an actual interest rate hikes to fix it. And so it makes sense to me because those are being under undercalculated or under processed, those increased hikes, that the price growth isn't slowing down as fast as people would expect either because your response isn't as effective as it should be. The curbing of house prices will also not be as effective. Just things that run through Brad's brains. Well, Yes, listings are rising, but it's the spring. And I'm very reluctant to say we have a massive opportunity here. You know, we got sales to new listing ratio shifts and we've got, you know, we've got less sales happening than, than what's available on the market and months of inventory bouncing up and down. And, you know, like all of these things, I'm just skeptical. I'm skeptical that that means any significant long-term shift in the next couple months, and it needs to be drastic. And I think a lot of people are portraying the February changes as drastic, but I don't really know if they are. I expect in my mind that there's still a couple months of run-up before we see a solid slowdown across the board. Now, these forecasts, they really play it safe. They say the second half of 2022 will be more calm. A lot of the economists stand on that side. And maybe they're bang on because maybe the next couple months, there is still this overshot that's going to happen as far as prices. Will they bounce down to where they were in January? That could be fatal. Imagine losing $90,000 in value in your property that you haven't realized yet, but over the last month you've experienced. So there's a lot of moving parts here, guys, but there are still those who are convinced that things are about to get really bad. David Rosenberg posted, he said this on Twitter. So we have a war, a supply-induced oil price surge, a tighter Fed, full employment, a flat yield curve, and an asset bubble. Sounds a lot like 1990. What comes next? A recession. There's a lot of people that will still stand on that and go for it. That's your right. You have the right to that. Now, I'm going to give you guys a bonus. I want to add this in before we, we kind of wrap up today because I thought this was pretty cool. I like to see what other real estate boards are doing and I love kind of checking in 
BC has been very good at having policies go through and making changes, whether you agree with them or not. They've definitely been effective. Well, the British Columbia Real Estate Association has released a white paper aimed at addressing current concerns with the province's housing market, the real estate transaction process, and consumer protection. They've put together actually over 30 items that they're proposing, but I want to share with you a couple recommendations, maybe some stuff that we should also be talking about here in Toronto. <clears throat> The first one, and what's pretty probably the coolest one I've seen here, is giving buyers time to research a property before making an offer by introducing a mandatory pre-offer period. You're going to hold offers. You have to have a mandatory period of time. No holding offers for one day or 10 days, right? It, it, it's like there's going to be a set amount of days minimum. If you want to go further, fine. Minimum, they're suggesting of five days from when a, pr a property is first listed. During this period, offers cannot be made. In other words, no bully offers. Remove the bully offer altogether. An interesting concept. And why would they come up with this? Well, because the association is being threatened by the government. <laughs> it's a response, actually, of having a mandatory cooling off period in real estate transactions. So you buy it, but just like you buy a building, you can a pre-construction, you can back away. You should be able to do that in the resale market. Well, real estate associations, they don't like that. So instead of a cooling off period, how about we do a pre-offer period? But I think there's some validity there, and I think it's not such a bad idea, something we should also be looking at. We should do something. We should do, be doing a lot of some things. Another idea they had was ensuring prospective buyers have immediate access to relevant information by making property disclosure statements mandatory and upon available upon listings. Disclosures, more these are good things. These are things we advocate for here in Ontario as well. But this one's cool too. If you're going to sell a condo, mandating that all documents related to strata transactions are made available with the listings. You need to be able to share your 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 every all the details about the condo. A status certificate show it. It needs to be mandatory if you're listing. And this just makes things a lot easier. It allows access for all people instead of having, you know, we're waiting for it. And then some people depend on it. Legally, you should make sure you know what's going on with the condo. Whereas you have other people say, you know, well, it's a, we'll, eat, we'll eat that loss or unfair advantage because maybe they've competed in the same building. They already know there's no issues with the building. Whereas a, a new buyer that's maybe just searching, there's an uneven playing field here. So not bad ideas, really not bad ideas. That's where I'm going to leave it today. Please, if you could, hit the like button and subscribe. And you can share this on Instagram. For those of you who are faithful listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. The best way you could uh, show your love would definitely be to leave us a five-star rating and review. And I appreciate you. Of course, we are sending our thoughts and our prayers here at Watson Estates to the people of Ukraine today. I can't imagine what it would be like to just be thrust into the military. I remember stories about my great-grandfather surviving, uh, you know, pepper spray and mustard gas attacks in the two wars came home very well seasoned veteran <laughs> thank you guys for a wonderful show today and we'll see you again next time take care and keep it real